Thank you so much for joining me here today. I invite you into your own space right now. We're gonna take our first inhale through the nose. Begin to fill the body Notice where you're feeling what. Dropping the shoulders, relaxing the eyes. And softly exhaling. Inhaling again. Really filling the belly. Expanding the chest. Softening the eyes. Noticing as you breathe, if there is a way to create softness in the breath itself. So what that would be like is like fine tuning the notes, it's almost like music, where if you would be communicating, right? So like with music, wherever we emphasize the intensity or emotion should be aligned. Just notice how we speak to ourselves and that is through breath. Are we speaking softly to ourselves? When we're taking breaths, does it feel soft? Does it feel gentle? Or is it kind of like this sharpness, this harshness, this intensity, almost like a barking dog or like a sharp shrill? A lot of times when we take shorter breaths, sharper breaths, and we're feeling that intensity in our chest, it's almost like a mirror of something that we're experiencing. So I want you to take a moment here to know that we are all influenced by our surroundings, right? More than by our personality, we are influenced by our surroundings and our environment. That's why it's so important to create a comfortable and safe environment for ourselves to flourish. And the best way to enter that space is by noticing the, the tonality of your breath. What are the thoughts that come with your breath? If your breath had a voice, How would it sound? And if you don't like what it sounds like, do you have permission to change that? And we do. And the best way to do this is to sit back, lean back, drop your shoulders, invite softness into your experience, and slowly begin to breathe through the nose 
taking very small sips. So instead of trying to inhale this entire gigantic breath, let's do it slowly. And just notice what happens when you're patient with yourself. If you take a little bit of a breath and then pause, and then take in a little bit more, pause again, and just soften. Relaxing the muscles, relaxing some of the tension. And noticing what happens when that happens. had some notes here, but they did not translate onto, um, onto my, um, onto my computer the way I thought they would, which is always meant to be. Whatever's meant to be is meant to be. So I'm going to be communicating it, um, from memory mostly, and I hope I'll be able to get things right. So this week is Parsha's Korach. And in Parsha's Korach, what we're communicating a lot is about conflict. Um, which, for a lot of us, we have a lot of difficulty with. And mostly is associated with negativity more than positivity. But we're going to talk a little bit about the, the beginning of where conflict was created and the positive structure of conflict in our life. So where I entered the space of conflict in the sense of learning about conflict was when I was writing Interior Designer and learning about lines. So you have space, which is the first element of interior design. And then you have lines. Lines are vertical, horizontal, and then dynamic. So there's three kinds of lines in the rules of interior design. And that third one, which is dynamic, is really approached from a sense of conflict. So the first time I learned about it, and I learned that conflict is where the conversation begins, and conflict is a good thing, because conflict is, in interior design, what unites the room. For example, if you have a pattern, right, so like a pattern carpet or a staircase or wallpaper 
any kind of design that is repetitive, but that breaks up the room, ends up also having the potential to unite the room. So to me, that was really fascinating. Um, and I talk about it a lot. Um, but what's really amazing is that's the second element, right? Lines are the second element. Conflict was creating created on the second day of creation. When Hashem separated the waters of the Shemayim and the Aretz. And what happened is, is Shemayim is, is Aish and Mayim. So for earth to exist, there had to be the separation between water and fire. And the fire, the, sorry, the, the water that ends up being the essence of what um, the Aretz is created with. And so what it says is that, and I'm going to say this from memory, and I'm really hoping I'm going to get it right, because I, I had the sources here, was that, okay, there, Malach Gavriel, yeah, Malach Gavriel was the Sar, right, the angel of fire. Malach Michal is the Sar of, of Mayim, of water. And they had to come together to make shalom for earth to actually exist. So that's where we get the Osa Shalom Ben Romov. Um, and that, that had to come together. They had to take the two parts of who they were and connect it. And by them connecting it, that's where creation was able to really stand the test of time. And Rav Mutafi says something fascinating. He's like, no matter how many planets they go look for water in, they're never going to find it. Because water, in the sense that we understand it, is more than just water. It's, it's from a spiritual level, there's so much more of a dynamic that had to come together to make it, to, to bring it together. So to me, that was really, that was really fascinating. So Yom Shani, I think it was Yom Shani, right? So it's day number two. That was, that is where conflict began. What he also says is, that for any of us to really gain clarity of who we are, it usually comes from the conflict of bringing two opposites together, really understanding the difference in that dynamic, which really ends up being the unity so he says that when it rains, he says it's almost like a kala walking up to the chuppah to meet a chassan. And he says that the aretz sings and dances as in there is a connection there. When you think of 
like a husband and a wife, or Kodesh and Chol. So much of who we are and what we experience. If we approach it from a sense of conflict, from a negative thing, as in, like, I can't live in both worlds. You know, I can't live in, um, you know, I, I need something that's the same. Not realizing that a man and a woman are two different people, right? They're made different. And the beauty of the differences, when we understand that that's a positive thing, it can come together and be united through the conflict. With Kodesh and Chol, a lot of people struggle we have a lot of people that struggle to enter the spiritual purity of their own lives. And this could be by keeping Shabbos, which is a lot of times one of the first things that are dropped because they're like, it's too hard. It's, it's too hard to be in both worlds. Not understanding that at a fundamental level, there's Kodesh and there's Chol. And they work together. They're both valuable. But both are needed. When we are living in the kind of world that we live in, there's this desire for so many of us to want to fit in and be the same and not create any waves or any conflict. Myself included. And sometimes something can enter our life that really helps give us that wake-up call and makes us understand how different we are. But that difference is not to separate us. That difference is really to unite us. When we're able to understand and respect our differences, when we have a different perspective, when we acknowledge our own sensitivities, when we acknowledge the fine-tuning and the delicate, refined touch that we have as women and understand that for the world to be Makayim, like the example of Shemayim and Aretz, we need to do our job and acknowledge where our strengths are. And sometimes we're fighting against the whole world. 
sometimes we're the only ones that really understand what we're doing. And the way that this is understood is if it's coming from a pure place. But when we take the time to honor the sensitivities within, what can happen is, is that all of a sudden we're able to identify the things that are important to us, the things that we value, while the entire world tries to create copy and paste, creating the same and the same and the same again. And we feel that discomfort when there's slight differences. But when we look at everybody's face, everybody has a different face. And behind every single face, there is a different mind. And so much of the time, we feel challenged to step up and be like, well, I don't want to create waves. I don't want to, I'd rather just, just be quiet and mind my own business. But we don't understand that we have the responsibility to step forward with whatever that conflict is. That is obviously L'Shem Shemayim. Conflict that's L'Shem Shemayim is, has no ego. It's not about one person trying to get to the top. It comes from a universe where we're trying to create this universal refinement. And it always is it always happens in the little things. You know, sometimes, especially as women, with the beanie asera that we have, there are little things that we kind of get stuck on. And people will be like, it's fine. Why are you making such a big deal? And it's like, a good example of this is to us, when we value whatever it is that we're getting caught up on, it's like somebody saying to you on Pesach, that before you're cleaning, it's fine. It doesn't, it, it, it shouldn't be a big deal to have just a few crumbs, just a few. As, as women, we step into this Abodas Hashem in our daily life. And our job is to be able to see on a completely different level, on an energy field, right? On a spiritual field. Every single one of us have dedicated so much time and effort to to elevate, right? To be Malamba Kodesh, to elevate the experience in itself. And then sometimes we're like told, it's fine, it's fine. Don't make such a big deal. But I always encourage when you're making that big deal, 
instead of making a big deal outwardly, take the time to manifest emotionally, to notice what is going on internally. So the beauty of a woman is, and this is really, this applies to men as well, but this practice is you know, mostly listened to by women and practiced by women, so I'm gonna just speak from that side. It's about feeling our feelings. not trying to articulate our feelings in words. When we take the time to digest what is going on by going inwardly, what happens is we can get a better idea of what's happening. When we go out, when we go outside of ourselves, by communicating What ends up happening is, is we begin to analyze it. It becomes an analytical discussion rather than an, than a, an emotional or a, like a, a body practice. To be able to do this, it's just taking some quiet time to breathe and allow yourself to really understand the effects of what certain things make you feel. How they make you feel. What are the repercussions of the feeling itself? Not being afraid of the conflict, of the differences. I always say like, you can love and hate in the same moment. For so many, so many of us, we hold on to so much resistance, not realizing that there's so much room for positivity and good. We just have to create space for it. When we spend so much time analyzing or articulating, learning, using the intellect rather than processing our emotions. What happens is the intellect collapses if there is no emotional foundation. So no matter how much you know in your mind, if your body can't support it, it's not worth anything. And again, these are not my words. These are my teacher's words. It's so important to take the time to understand that if something's not right, then take the time that you need.
I'm just going to repeat it just really quick. So I've, I've shared this before where it's when your body collapses, so does your soul. So another version of that would be not build this foundation, emotional foundation, where you're in touch with your feelings. And you don't feel your feelings. You more intellectualize your feelings. So everything is like analyzed rather than felt. The intellect collapses if there's no emotional foundation. So that's that's me repeating that. And we can get into it a little bit more if anyone has any questions. Um, but basically, that's why it's so important to take the time to acknowledge what you're feeling. Know that your feelings are real. Sometimes you're not able to understand them or its expression, but they are real. And I think that's one of the most difficult things personally that I experienced in when I was working with my own healing journey, but when I'm working with other people or communicating things to other people, it's very difficult for people to if it's believe you but they're not able to create the support that we need because they've been taught themselves that their feelings are not important so they're coming from such a from such an analytical place where they lean so much into the intellect as a safe space, which is not really a safe space. So the conflict of the mind and the body is, it all, it all wants to be one and follow the leader. And for a lot of us, the mind dominates. The mind is the thing that takes over. And the mind is like, follow me. You'll be fine. Follow me. And not to create any conflict, we begin to neglect what the body is whispering to us in its gentle voice. And then we run into challenges over and over again. And we forget, we, we, we ignore and neglect the, that inner space. Thinking if we just know more, if we just have more intellect, if we just, if we understand, we'll be fine. But we all know, I go back to the simple thing of, we all know sugar is not good for us. And we all eat it anyway. Again, myself included. And there are so many things we know and we've gotten answers for and we still don't follow being the proof that it's not about how much you know, even though it is important to learn things. But unless we put it into practice, which is Olamasia, 
which is in this body form. All that intellect has no foundation. So it's first acknowledging that feelings are real. It might feel messy and that's okay, especially in the beginning if if you haven't gone into that closet. We'll start with it being a closet. It can be a very messy closet to clean and declutter and organize and identify. And just like with organizing a closet, you know, you start pulling things out and everything has weight and memory and emotion attached. It takes time, it takes time. But the, view, the beauty is, is that as we move through it, as we unpack it, we can begin to understand the essence. And at the essence of all of it is, it's not that somebody else didn't acknowledge us or allow us to feel. It's just that we haven't been taught how to, how to feel. And when we take that responsibility and learn that it's like a new workout, like anything else, we're able to step into that space outside of blaming or finding a, an ego conflict, right? So the ego conflict would be to find the, the person to blame for why we are in the space we're in. That would be the Korah. But if we want to do it for the L'shem Shemayim, right? And that's the water, right? It's it's a Shemayim, Shemayim, it's L'shem Shemayim. It's acknowledging that everything is that's here is good. And everything that we've experienced is there for a reason. And everything's a schus. And the first thing we need to do is find the peace within ourselves. Right? The conflict of the mind and the body. Bring them together. Find shalom between the two. Eliminating the ego, where we possess more value in the mind than in the body. And through that, through that practice, and through that inner peace, we could really, really begin to see the light and bizocha to creating more peace in the world. joining me today.